thank you, Lord, for your son. We thank you, God, for this place. We thank you that, Lord, not only do you live within us, but your word tells us that you inhabit the praise of your people. So I thank you, Lord God, that not only are you with us because you're within us, but you have been here as we've praised you. You've inhabited, you've made your dwelling in our praise. And Father, such sweet moments in your presence. Lord, we, we long for those, we love those. Father, we, we, we don't despise those, we don't run from those moments. In fact, Lord, like the prodigal, God, as much as we're not running, God, from a pit, we're just running towards you because we want more of you, always. So you're welcome here in this place to move and to challenge and to change, to heal, to make brand new, to have your way, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Wow, what a week, hey? People had a good week, bad week, busy week. Yeah, it's a bit of every sort of a week. Yeah. It's a little bit like that. I think, of, I think of my poor son, Nathan, you know, goes to play football that he loves. You know, he's, they're playing the second top team and, you know, they know they're better than that. They're better than the second top team. They've got a few plays out and they come a draw. They're winning by 30 points and you come a draw. So you come away a little bit deflated, wouldn't you? Yeah? And then he goes with some friends to watch his AFL club to barrack for them, to yell, to scream and shout. And they're winning the whole game and then they lose by one point. What a miserable, poor, what a miserable day. Nath, lucky you came home to us. We were there for you to cry on our shoulder, you know, just to let go of all. It's true, I wasn't home when you got home. It's not the point. <laughs> But sometimes it can just be a tough week and sometimes we just got to refocus on the things of God, amen. And um, Hannah, Hannah was totally, over the last month really, she was totally focused on God and the things of God and, and wanting God to move in her life. And, you know, I, I think, you know, last week, even to quickly summarise the story of Hannah, he's this woman who desires a child. She longs for a child and so she prays for this child and she sees... The, she sees the answer of this extraordinary prayer actually come to, to pass, come to life. You know, she prays this prayer. To, she says to God, give me the one. She doesn't ask for two or three or four. She goes, give me one child and I'll give him back to you. Like it's a phenomenal prayer when you think about it. And she prays that prayer. Even as she's praying it, the priest at the time thinks that she's drunk. Yeah. And yet, when she receives the answer to the prayer, she still goes back to Shiloh, she still goes back to the priest that thought she was drunk and offers up her son. You know, she says, hey, Eli, do you remember me? I was the person you thought was drunk when I was praying sincerely to the Lord, but now, 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 I've actually got my answer to prayer, I've got my son, and now you're going to have to look after him for the rest of your life. <laughs> That's pretty much the crux of the story, isn't it? Yeah? And I imagine she would have said to him, and by the way, even though you'll be looking after him, I've weaned him, so I've got through the hard part. This is not a punishment. It's a blessing for you, Eli. Yeah? And yet, here she is, still handing over her answer to her prayer, and never once 
Even though Eli thought the worst of her, she thought the best of him. Like it's just, it is really a beautiful story when you start to unpack it. Even though this person thought she was a drunkard, in church, drunk, you know, thinking the worst that he could think of her, she still thought the best of him and gave over her son. Think about that. Even though the sons of Eli were celebrity f- failures, like Eli himself was pretty spiritually dull to think that she was drunk, she never once had a bad view of the church, did she? Never once. I reckon that, that's probably a really lovely picture for us because you and I, we could have come from any sort of a background, any sort of a church, we could have had bad experiences in a church. You know, we could have come from a church that's totally out of whack because as much as I love our house, Family Life Church, at the end of the day, there is no church that's perfect. There is no church that have got things down pat, yeah? There's just not. I love my mum's cooking, but I would make some small changes to it to make it better, yeah? So if I'm like that with my mum's cooking, we're going to be like that in the house of God. I love the house, but I'd make some small changes, you know? So you're never going to find a place that you're going to be totally 100%, you know, following. You'll get close to, but I don't think there's a church that's perfect. And despite all of Eli's shortcomings, she seems to hold on to this godly perspective that he's a good man and hands over his son. So you and I, we have to always, in every situation, whatever we confront, we've got to have a godly perspective. Is that fair? Like, much easier to have a godly perspective than to have a worldly one, I reckon. You know, she's believing in God. She's believing in the family of God. So we too, we need to keep believing in the family of God. We have to. Like, we truly have to. You know, therefore, I think because of her decision to believe in the church, to believe in the family of God, by faith, I'm, I'm comfortable saying she believes in the Jesus that has not yet come because she believes in the church. And, and she says to Eli, you're going to have to do your best work from now on because I'm handing you my answer to prayer. I'm handing you my boy. So Eli, I need you to be a great leader for the nation so that you can be a great leader for my son. Yeah? And I'll tell you what, God is actually going to raise up my son, Eli. He's going to raise him up and he's going to do amazing things. It's important that you get your life right and be a great leader. What I find exciting is that she didn't go away from the temple offended when she first prayed. Yeah? She didn't go away saying, Eli, he hurt my feelings. He hurt my feelings so much. I'm going to go to the temple down the road. I'll show him such a beep. Can't believe he beep. She didn't do that. She's a woman of God. That's why it says in verse 27 and 28 in 1 Samuel, I prayed for this child. And the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And he, that is Samuel, worshipped the Lord there. Just a beautiful picture. That's what we've been looking at over the last month. Yeah? And now we get to chapter 2. And chapter 2 is Hannah's song. Really, it's this prayer. It's a song. And we've got all the lyrics, because if you read chapter 2, all the lyrics are there. But 
If you know anything, if you've read anything of the Bible, particularly the Gospels, Hannah's song sounds a lot like Mary's song. When Mary got word that she was going to give birth to Jesus, like it's a lot like Mary's song. And for what it's worth, Mary's song in the Gospels often called the, I've got to look at it so I can get it right, the Magnificat. Not Magnificant, no N, Magnificat. Yeah, they call it that. And, it, and, and yet Mary's song was, was sung and written 1,100 years after Hannah's song, chapter 2. I reckon it's pretty safe to assume that Mary knew Hannah's song from 1,100 years earlier. A song that was so well sung that it was ingrained in the faith of Israel. Yeah, for some background, if you will. It's incredible, actually, that the birth of our Saviour Jesus... And Mary's song kind of alludes back to the song of Hannah. Like I love this interwoven story that runs through the whole Bible. Yeah, But Hannah's song, chapter 2, check it out, from verse 1. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. Don't we sing? Songs like that, there is no one holy like you, Lord. Yeah, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like you. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who were, were, were full hire themselves out for food, but those... But those who were hungry are hungry no more. I, I love that. Those who were full hire themselves out. But those that are hungry are hungry no more. God, God meets us where we're at. She was barren and has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. That's a prophecy in itself right there. Verse 7 reads, The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and he has them inherit a throne of honour. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. That, that is a word for someone today. Whether you're here listening at home, that is a word for someone today. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Stop trying. Stop striving. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. Verse 10, those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Oh my goodness. That became a song that was sung through all of Israel because of answered prayer. And basically what it's saying is God's good. Whatever you think's good falls away, falters and dies, but God is good all the time and he answers prayer and he's there for you. And when you pray, he comes and he, and he does. Like, it's an awesome song. If you keep reading the rest of chapter 2 and some of chapter 3, unfortunately, we start to interweave the story of Eli and Eli's sons, Phineas and Hophni, and they're evil. 
right? They're not good. So you've got this contrast in chapter 2 of Hannah singing this song. She's talking about Samuel, you know, and she's, she knows that God's going to do something marvellous in him, yet in the same chapter, it talks about Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, the bad boys of the gospel, so to speak, you know. It gives us a contrast, and that contrast is really important because even within the church, because the contrast is the context, that even within the church of God, there's a contrast. Even within the church. Why are people so surprised when someone's in church and they're NQR? Not quite right. Why are people so surprised by that? We're not all perfect. You've got your Hannahs, you've got your Samuels, but even within the church there's a contrast. You have your Elis, your Hophnis, your Phineases, people that are NQR. Even within the church there's a contrast. And especially between the church and the outside world, there's an even bigger contrast. And in fact, you know what? There is supposed to be a big contrast between us and what's out there. I was listening to a friend of mine, Ben Hughes, and he said this. The, what's the scripture? The scripture that says, the gates of hell shall not prevail, yeah? Who, does it not, who do they not prevail against? They do not prevail against the sons and daughters of God. The gates of hell, it does not say that the gates of hell will not prevail against the world, right? That promise is for us. So if you've got the gates of hell that cannot prevail against the sons and daughters of God, but we know can affect the world, you know what our role is? Our role is to step between the enemy and the world because he cannot prevail against us so that we can actually be a right picture of all that God has desired so that the world doesn't fall victim to all of his plans, yeah? What does that mean? That means all of us have got a role to play. All of us can actually have an influence yeah, because the gates of hell shall not prevail. Anyway, I want to focus on Samuel and Hannah. And so we get to verse 11 and 12 of chapter 2, and it says, Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. And that's just the mixture and the contrast there. It's already there for us to see that there's true worship and there's fake worship, if you will, because they were there to minister to the Lord. Yet it was Hannah that was ministering and not Phineas and Hophni, right? So even within the house of God, there's true worship and fake worship. This is the world that we live in. Is that all right? I don't want to scare anyone, but that's how it is, yeah? It's no need getting frustrated when people are NQR, not quite right. Let God deal with it. Let the Holy Spirit move. You know, even those that claim to know Jesus, there's wheat and weeds are growing together, yeah? Even in our midst. So we, I mean, we can't assume that everyone that's here or even listening at home is absolutely sold out for Jesus. I'd probably suggest that most of us are, you know? Or at least that most of us are heading in the right direction. I do think it's right for us to recognise, though, that even within the camp of God, from what we can read and see from the scriptures that I've really passed over quickly, you know, that even within the camp of God, there's a work to be done. Fair? There's a work to be done. So let me say, with all of that as a background, don't give up on the church. Don't abandon the church. 
Don't do that just because you found someone within the body of Christ that's not right. It's not about being better than them. It's not about walking out and starting your own little independent church or staying at home because someone had offended you. It's not about them. It is about this, being family. Put up your hand if anyone in your, in your family has ever offended you. A mum, a dad, a daughter, a son, a grandparent, an uncle, an auntie. Come on. Are you still related to them? Now, unless there are some circumstances, unless it's something really extreme and probably illegal, most of us still see those people that have offended us. Yeah. The church is no different. It's all about family. It's all about family. That's the context. So we jump into verses 18 to 21 of chapter 2, now that the context, so to speak, has been set of a mixture in the house of God. And verse 18 to 21 starts like this. Verse 18, but Samuel. I just love that. I want to sing the song, I love big, but, but I can't, not in church, so I won't. I love this passage of scripture, but Samuel. But Samuel. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. It wasn't all that long ago, really, that, that Eli thought she was drunk and now he's actually praying for her. It's freaky, right? Verse 21, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. The next few verses is more about Eli and Eli's sons. And there's the contrast and the mixture again. So I want to jump to verse 26. Verse 26 reads, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favour with the Lord and with people. There's a few things that I, I want to be able to share today because I guess a question that's pending over all of this is how, how does this message fit with the theme of family that we've been talking about over the last month or last six weeks? How, how does this fit? And I want to start by saying it's good to start young. Samuel was given over to the Lord after he was weaned. He was really young, maybe two or three years old. Could have been one, but really young. It's good to start young. It's good to get your faith right as early as possible. I am thankful. Yes, I was brought up in a Catholic home, but I am thankful that I came to the Lord to know him personally when I was 20 because that saved me a whole bunch of life's mistakes. I'd already made a whole bunch, you know, just stuff, just doing life, but I'm thankful that I didn't get into my 20s and 30s and 40s not knowing the Lord. I'm thankful that I came to the Lord when I was 20. And I want to say to everybody here and those listening, it's never too late to get right with God. Never. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're on your deathbed. It doesn't matter if you're five. It's never too late. It's never too early to get right with God. So for you and I, we need to get right and make sure we're right with God as quickly as possible. So with God, the best time to turn to him is now. Anytime. Now. Don't wait. You know, don't wait. I remember um, my uh, old friend was going to church and 
He'd made a commitment to Christ already, but within himself, he, he, he wanted to, for us to be there to witness when he gave his heart to the Lord. And so he was waiting for the day that we could be there and attend the church service. So when they did an altar call, he wanted to respond and he wanted us to be witness of that, to say, yes, we can see that you're following. Don't ask me why he wanted that. That's what he wanted. The first day we got to the church, he was ready, set to make his commitment to God. We came, I came, his sister came, the worship started, she started crying, she bolts out the door, he walks out after it, doesn't make his commitment to Jesus. You know what? It took him another two weeks waiting for us to get back there again before he could make that call. It's the right time to get right with God is right now. Yeah, Don't wait, just don't wait. Should I be baptised? Yes. When? Now. Not now, there's no water in there, but now. You know? We could fill it up. You'd be waiting three hours. Go home, have lunch, come back. We'd do it then. But now, don't wait. Now. Now's the right time to get right with God. It's always the younger we start, the better. Even in our kids' church, our kids' church isn't a childcare. Like, listen, it's not a childcare. We're actually teaching them Jesus. And we hope that they'll go into their schools and muck up everything. And, and stuff up what the world's trying to teach them by saying, actually, we just learned that we can hear from God. We just learned that if we stop and pray for a moment, I can hear from God for you. Would you like me to? We want people to say, oh, you can't do that. And for our kids to say, actually, no, no, we believe that we can if we pray about it. Our kids' church is not a childcare. It's about setting up our kids early, growing them in faith. Amen how to position themselves for his presence, that he loves them no matter what, no matter what anybody says. Ever had a teacher speak something derogatory over your life? You're not going to amount to anything. Yeah, something like that, anybody? I had a pastor when I was going through Bible college say, you would never be a pastor because you joke too much. Well, ha-ha, the joke's on him. Yeah. I mean, seriously, should I be a pastor? I do Kermit the Frog things. I go, ah! I make funny noises in, joke and in church and I'm always laughing. You know why? Because God made us the way that we are. We need to learn to love ourselves the way that we are because that's how God loves you. Stop being pigeonholed into a, and I mean no offence, but someone will be offended into a Catholic Presbyterian little box that you can't do anything. That's not who God made you to be. So whether you're young or whether you're like John, young at heart, follow the Lord with all of your heart. With all of your heart. There's no greater joy than when you see someone say yes to Jesus. There's, there is no greater joy. There is no greater joy than when you see someone spiritually growing on the inside. You know that God's doing a work in them. Because no longer do they see the harshness on the inside, but they see the beauty and the gentleness that God brings. You know, the culture at the time of this reading was bad. It was a time of judges. It was negative. The, the three leaders, the three national church leaders that we've come across were Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. Not only are their names terrible, but they were pretty useless or wicked. Now, I don't think that's an unfair assessment of Eli, though he seems to make progress later as he you know, moves into his 98th year. But... but I think we can say about this culture here and, and 
Can you see the similarities with our culture that we're living in today? That this culture is NQR. The culture here, the culture that we live in, it's, it's not quite right. It's actually rotten, right? It's actually rotten, but it's not forgotten. The culture then was not forgotten. God was doing a work through Hannah to bring Samuel, and not a word of his was going to drop to the ground. And through Samuel, he would start school of prophets and school of priests and all sorts of stuff. God had a plan. And our culture, what's happening in our society at the moment, might be rotten, it might be NQR, but it's not forgotten by God, not by any means. You know, these are challenging days, and they're not unlike the times of judges. So even though the culture was rotten, it wasn't forgotten, because we read, but Samuel, but Samuel. You know what I get from that? And we need, this is our takeaway, one of our takeaways. Genuinely godly young people are important to the wicked world. Genuinely godly young at heart people are important as a contrast to the wicked world. I say the world is wicked. You may not agree. Biblically, though, since Genesis 3, since sin came into the world, since the first fruit was eaten, what was the first fruit, the first fruit of eating the fruit? was getting kicked out of the garden. And what happened after they got kicked out of the garden? Then Cain kills Abel. So there's this murderous action, murderous intent. The world has been evil since then. <laughs> there's no sugarcoating stuff. It's been evil since then. And that happened within God's family. There's the contrast again. Within God's family. So even amongst God's children, something terrible had happened. Ever since Genesis 3, the world has actually been wicked and there's always been a contrast between a wicked world and true believers in Jesus. But Samuel, but Samuel, despite Eli, despite Hophni, Phinehas, despite people doing in that time what they thought was right in their own eyes, but Samuel, right through all of Scripture, this contrast continues you know, you think about all the biblical stories. You've got Noah and the rest of the world, yeah? You, you've got Abraham and Sodom. You've got Moses and Pharaoh. You've got David and Goliath, John the Baptist and Herod, um, Jesus and Pilate. There's contrast right through the Bible. So with all the contrast that's around us, the world needs more Hannahs. The world needs more Samuels. The world needs more prayers. Isn't that where we started last week? You know, I believe that you and I, we can still influence the culture. I mean, the gospel itself has so extraordinarily and profoundly influenced our culture and similar cultures over the last 1,500 years. You know, we don't just have one prophet, Samuel. We don't just have one priest, Samuel. Rather, we've got God's children. We've got an army positioned all around the world. Some suggest there's up to 3 billion believers all over the world. Maybe the number's less than that. But that, I like that number. That means we can have a positive impact all over the world. So even though times may be evil, <laughs> you and I, we can still be a people of influence. We can still stand between yeah, hell, the gates of hell, and the world. We can still step in that gap and go, ah, we don't agree with that. It'll bring persecution. Oh, you're judging. No, 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 we're not. You're being, you're being led astray, 
by the gates of hell, but we who are not affected because they will not come against us. We're stepping in the gap to say, hold on a minute, what's happening at the moment is NQR. It's not quite right. Even though some families are dysfunctional, even though some families are falling apart, you and I can still shine a light brightly to say there's a better way. Full stop. But Samuel, verse 18, was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. He had no worldly power. He had no prosperity. He was just wearing a linen ephod. So to all our young people, all those that are younger than me people, all those that are young in heart people, not only can you know the Lord, better still, you can minister to the Lord. You've got to catch this. You can minister to the Lord. So in case you didn't notice, before we minister to each other, we minister to the Lord. Before Samuel was released to the world, he ministered before the Lord. Before Jesus was released at the age of 30, at the age of 12, he was in the temple ministering before the Lord. When we come to church, we come to minister before the Lord. Oh, you sing too long. You don't get it. We're ministering before the Lord. It's scriptural. Oh, you sing those words over and over and over. We're ministering to the Lord. Oh, you pray so. We're ministering to the Lord. If you don't want to minister to the Lord, there's a footy club, a netball club, and other churches that will get it done in 15 minutes. But we're here to minister to the Lord because before we can actually minister or serve anybody else, we've got to minister and serve to the Lord. I'm sorry that that's what the scripture says. But hey, I love it. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Doesn't mean we're going to get people flooding in and the seats are full and hundreds and hundreds, I believe, one day. But people, if you don't understand that we're ministering to the Lord, then what we do sometimes here won't make sense. What they do sometimes at my friend's church, one of my mentors at Stairway, doesn't make sense. The way that they worship and spend time in his presence at Bethel doesn't make sense. Because we just want to worship. We just want to spend time doing that. We, we want to hear the word. Can you, can you hurry up? It's been 13 minutes, 13 and a half. That song's done. We're only just warming up. We're ministering to the Lord. We're practicing for heaven where we're going to, ministry, going to minister to him 24-7. Every healthy church, every healthy ministry flows from right relationship with Father where we minister toward him. Our worship, our adoration, our praise. It's all ministering towards him. Don't rush it. When you're at home, don't rush it. Put the music on. Pull out your Bible. Start talking. Don't rush it. You're ministering to the Lord. And that's what's going to make you and I effectual ministers to everybody else. Because we've ministered first to the Lord. I love the thought that Samuel is actually in the most holy place. Do you know the temple wasn't even built yet? We know the Ark of the Covenant was there, but though we don't see it much of a description of the tabernacle, though we know the tabernacle's around, but certainly it was the closest thing that they had to the temple before the temple was built. So I want to say this. It is a good thing for Samuel to be around the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant 
is the presence of God. It's a good thing for Samuel to be around the presence of God. It was a good thing for Samuel to be in God's house. So whether you're young, and I look to those that I think are young, right? right? Whether you're young or whether you're young at heart, be like Samuel and minister to the Lord. Be like Samuel and minister to the Lord. Get around his presence. Get into his house. Do not, for those who are listening at home, this is not for you. This is for those that aren't listening at home that are doing their own thing, right? Don't find reasons and excuses not to be in his house. Because if it was good enough for Jesus and he didn't, and he didn't agree with the Pharisees and Sadducees, if it was good enough for Samuel, even though Eli was NQR, yeah, if it was good enough for them to be in the house of God, to minister, to worship and praise, then for you and I there is no offence big enough to stop you coming to a house of God somewhere to worship him. Can we give God a hand of praise, please? Seriously. Like... Then we minister to him first. And then this scripture in verse 19 tells me that as godly people, you and I, and this is what I love about Hannah, we provide for a new generation of leaders, not a next generation. Next suggests those that are younger, right? But the new generation of leaders, they could be older than me, they could be younger than me, I don't know, but we as godly people provide for a new generation of leaders because it reads in verse 19, each year his mother made him a little robe and, it, and took it to him where she went with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. This really, I touched on it last week, is one of the most tender, heart-wrenching stories in the Bible. When you think about it, it's, it's, it's actually a really personal, painful thing. Because regardless of her pain, she's given up her son. She sings this happy song, yeah? She sings this happy song of answer to prayer. But I bet you that Hannah didn't know that we'd be talking about it and singing it over 3,100 years later. I can guarantee you she didn't know that that would be the case. But she's clearly a thankful woman. She's grateful for all that God's done in her life, everything, and everything that God's about to do through her son. And I can only imagine that this praying woman is also praying for her son as well. Because wouldn't it be pretty strange if she gave birth to her son that she prayed for, and then after she gave him up, just stopped praying? That'd be pretty weird. <laughs> it's important for you and I to keep praying for our kids, even when they're out of home. Whether they're walking with the Lord or not walking with the Lord, it's important for us to keep praying for our kids. Continually praying for them. Pray for them every day. My wife does it so much better than I do. She is forever praying for the boys and for myself. Diligently. You know, even recently, some of you know that we had to put down one of our, our family pets. So if I get emotional, then there's the breaks. But Jazz was 15. It happened really, really quick. It's not an ongoing story. Had to make a decision. 24 hours later, we're at the vet and we're, we're putting Jazz down. On that day, my boys, not just my, me too, but they are sobbing, 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 sobbing as Jazz is just waiting for that moment. Yeah? And Nathan's, I've shared Nathan's tears like this. Nathan was crying so much that his tears were hitting the ground and it was almost in slow motion bouncing back up again. It would have made beautiful photos. Like we were just, we were, I didn't think I'd ever be attached to a dog. I'm not a pet person, you know. I drive past dead animals all the time. I don't look twice. I think whether I can use them for food. I'm not that way inclined, yeah. 
But in this case, I somehow, my heart was attached and I was totally wrenched. And when the three of us stepped out, the vet said to Melanie, she goes, your boys. She goes, oh my goodness. She goes, I can tell that they are good boys. She goes, their words, their tears, I don't see that all the time. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. I think I'm experienced and I'm, and I'm biased and they're my boys and my girls too. But yes, I've prayed, but I think it's answered to Mel's prayers. Pray for your kids. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. Pray for them every day. And Hannah prays for her dear little boy. And I see Hannah at the same time. She's stitching this tunic. She's stitching this clothing that she brings to him every year. Can you imagine? You only see your child once a year, so you don't know how much he's, he's grown. There's no FaceTime, right? There's no photo, email, so you can see, oh, now he's this tall. There's nothing like that, right? There's nothing like that. So she has to imagine it. And she goes there once a year, and I imagine that as a mum or a dad, I don't want to be stereotypical here, right? As a parent, you're probably going to want to make sure that this tunic that you've sewn is perfect. Yeah, so she puts love into this thing. You know, anyone ever have um, parents or grandparents knit you something as you're a kid? Jumpers, beanie, scarves. Does every parent and grandparent go op shopping for their wool? Because I reckon that's what I got. You know, like those florally fluoro colours. What was wrong with a deep brown or a black or a charcoal? But no, no, no. I reckon every parent and grandparent goes up shopping for their wool and then they make this beautiful garment and they give it to you and you wouldn't even wear it fishing, but you've got no choice. <laughs> like, I really believe that. I'm, I'm certain that's how it works. It wasn't like that then, but I reckon she actually got the best of the best you know, to, make, to make this outfit and I see the tender love. I see the way that the tunic's put together. And, and there she is. She's weeping, but she's seeing her dear boy and she's going, oh, wow. Can you imagine it? She hasn't seen him for a year. Samuel, oh, you have so grown. You have so grown up. You're so big now. And there's tears and there's smiles. And come on, let's try this on. I just see the love that's taking place here. Hannah's not just pouring out love on her son. Hannah is supporting the ministry. The act of love was, the, was, was what she did, but, and, and the tunic is an act of love from a mother to a son, but it's also her support of, her priest, of his priestly office. You and I who are godly, yeah, we need to support the new generation of leaders somehow. We need to find a way to be able to do that. Because something bigger was taking place than just a mother's affection for a son. She's actually doing far more than she realises. A little bit like that woman that broke the alabaster you know, jar of perfume over Jesus' feet. She was doing far more than what she thought she was doing. She was actually preparing his priestly office. She was using her practical gifts and it was costly. You know, as a church, we give. As individuals, we give financially and through service. And I want to throw this in here. Giving through service doesn't offset your finances. Just because you serve somewhere, it's not, hey, you know what, I'm going to take that from my tithe. That, that, that's not how it works. That is not how it works. And just as equally, giving through your finances doesn't mean that you're not supposed to serve. 
We need to give both financially and through service, just like Hannah did. You know, I'm called to give the best of my time a lot of the time. But I'm also called to give the best of my finances as well. Amen? She is practical. She is practical. I can't even go on because I'm out of time. I've got so much stuff to talk about just from that chapter. She's practical. So the two things, two things you and I need to take away is one, godly people, we can provide for the new generation of leaders. Look around. Who can we support? But more importantly, (laughs) for all the young people and the young at heart, you and I, we are the contrast that the world needs. Are you ready to be a contrast? Are you ready to stand up for Jesus? Are you ready to... Make a difference. You know, she's practical. You know, when you hear the word family, most of us think about our own family. But how can we, like Samuel, make a difference in a wicked culture? Really, how can we? Like practical conversation. How, how, how can we? And, and, and I don't think you can have the type of family that makes a difference without Jesus involved. I don't think you can have the type of family at home that makes a difference without the church family involved. I truly believe that. Some of you might be thinking, how can you say, or even asking, how can you say that, Pastor? Well, because i got the mic and you don't. But because I believe that we were made and created not to do it on our own. Yeah? We need others. We need the help of others. You know, there are unique moments, situations that you may be on your own. Persecution, you find yourself in a prison cell. Who knows what it is? Yeah? But that's like 0.1%. But family, family, the way God intended it to be, needs the church family. That's why it says in 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So yes, salvation is only through Jesus, through his blood. But to function in order to live a Christian life, God's plan is for us to have fellowship with one another. Oh, but someone offended me. Get over it. God's plan for you is to have fellowship with one another. I can do it at home. That's great. Those four people will be there the rest of your life. But what about the rest of the church family? Because my, my family keeps growing. My girls get married. One day my boys will get married and then they'll have kids and they'll have kids and the family keeps growing. Nothing about God stays stagnant. God is alive. Everything that he touches comes to life. God's plan for us to have fellowship with one another. That includes generosity, includes our service, includes how we operate together as a team. You know, and I, I love this house. I, I love this family. This is what I'll finish with. Thank you for everyone who's loved on my family this week. You know, it took Eli some time to realise what was going on before he caught up, you know. He went from saying, hey, this crazy lady praying must be drunk to saying, hey, you you know, not only am I going to pray for one, I'm there going to pray that you have more. He starts praying a blessing on her. But nothing that we give away to God um, comes back empty. You know, I love this family because in this family I have brothers and sisters. I've got, bro- I've got brothers and sisters. In this family, I have, I've got my mum who's 90 and I see, I speak to regularly. She'll tell you not regularly enough, you know. 
It's part of an Italian mother's role to be critical about how often you speak to them. You know, they want it every day, five times a day, by FaceTime. Right? But you know what? In this house, I've got fathers that speak into my life. In this house, I have mothers that speak into my life. I am rich in the house of God because I was prepared sometimes to put aside my own wants and desires for the sake of the family. Yeah? Why don't we stand? See, the Lord honoured Hannah's extreme generosity with more blessing. Eli prayed in verse 20, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and, and gave to the Lord. She actually got five more back, three more sons and two more daughters. So to encourage us, give and it will be given unto us. We can't outgive Father God. This isn't a prosperity gospel. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting you give to get. That's wrong motivation. We give to the Lord and I can't explain it. He somehow blesses back. But God is good all the time and all the time God is good. So you and I, we need to pray, but what do we need to step into? What do we need to give to the Lord? What do we need to release? Where do we need to sow? Because I know that even though I've moved 100 kilometres from my mum's place and 100 odd kilometres from Mel's mum's place, God has given us back so much more. What are we missing out on when we don't allow God to do a work in our life? Yeah? Why don't we just pray? I'm going to pray that God reveals to us the areas that we're holding on to. I'm going to pray that God starts to speak to us in places where we need to let go. I want to pray that God does such a work in our heart that we fall in love with the men and the women, the people that are around us, those that come into this place, whether they're good, whether they're bad, whether they smell, whether they don't, whether they're tall, whether they're short, whether they're fat or thin, whether they have hair or no hair, whether they know Jesus yet or whether they don't that we may love on them, that we would continue to be a safe place for all people, where people can walk in led by the Spirit of God to be restored and revealed for his glory. Amen. So, Father, in this place right now, we pray that we would truly be your hands and feet extended. We pray, Lord God, that we would be like Hannah. Father, that even when she came up with, to a priest that was in QR, that was not quite right, that was rotten, Lord, she still never thought evil against him. Lord God, may we constantly, continually have a godly perspective with everyone that we meet. Lord, whether it be this house, God, or a house of God somewhere else, may we see people the way that you see people. May we love on them the way that you want them loved upon, Lord God, I pray. Father, may we stand in the gap between hell's gates and the world. Father, may we be that voice, that light that says, no, this isn't quite right. I don't agree with that, even in the face of persecution. Even when people won't agree with us, Lord, may we still shine the light based on our belief and our trust in the one true living God. May we be a people that sow love and sow finance and sow service and sow generosity into the new generation. Those that you want to raise up, God, whether they're 50, 60 or whether they're 15, Lord God, may we be there to champion those that you've put your finger upon. 
And Father, may we release, 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 knowing that, Father, we can never outgid you. So, Lord, do a work in this house today. Bring a sense of joy in, the, in your presence, his fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. May we walk out of this place full of joy, full of strength for what you have in store for us tomorrow. We, Father, we thank you for all our worship and our adoration. We give that all to you. We look forward to ministering to you day and night, again and again and again, and we give you all the glory. And all these people said, Amen. Amen. Go out in strength.